What's going on, guys? Zach here. We're about to dive into an awesome podcast between myself and Tanner Guzzi. You know, I reached out to him, not with any agenda in mind whatsoever. I just wanted to talk to him. Tanner is the kind of man where when you just start having a conversation, the most organic and productive, you know, discussions are had. So I knew, you know, going into this, I just wanted to talk to my friend, but I wanted to do so in a manner that I thought would help others. And again, you know, Tanner's the style guy and everybody knows, you know, he's, he's well-dressed. He, he has an eye for that. He's the author of The Appearance of Power, you know, and, and much more with regards to his coaching and his uh, masculine style website. But with all that, there's so much more to the man than just his expertise with clothing. And specifically, when it comes to leading a family, when it comes to remaining an authentic individual, that's what I wanted to get from him. And my goodness, did he deliver. So <laughs> you're going to enjoy this one. Now, before we dive into the discussion, I do want to bring up Men of March is running in less than a week. That's my 31 Days to Masculinity campaign. It's the community version of that. It's the best way to describe it. You know, as a community. So right now we've got over 25 men inside. As a, as a community, all these dudes, for 31 days starting March 3rd, we're going to be going through the month of March and taking on challenges that, that push us to auditing our physiques, our style, you know, our finances, our relationships, how we're doing as a man. If you're a husband, how you're doing as a husband. If you're a father, how you're doing as a father. And we do it as a group. So for 31 days, every single day, we have challenges we have to complete. We'll complete them together. We'll check in together. And there will be two weekly calls. So we'll be coming around face-to-face, having a discussion. There are a lot of men who are going through the program for their second or third time. You know, they're successful. They're, They're not struggling in any area, but they're in there just to check out, you know, what am I missing? You know, I don't want to overlook anything. While others, they're just trying to go from from zero to one. They're trying to get themselves started to making a difference, making a change, a lasting change that will get them to where they want to go. Men of March, if you go to thefamilyalpha.com slash men dash of dash March, or check any of my social media, or just click the link below this episode, you'll be able to find your way to that group. There is a cost. You got to put skin in the game. It's $97 for the base package. It costs more if you want to get a phone call with myself prior to kicking off, or if you want to get my cell phone throughout the entire program for daily chats and texts. But for less than 100 bucks, you can get the PDF of 31DTM, access to the community, access to me, group calls, and on top of all that, 31 freaking days of accountability and digging through yourself to make yourself the best man you can be. So again, that's the Men of March. There are five days as of the release of this podcast. Enjoy. Take advantage. You know, there's an opportunity there. You got to jump on it and get after it. And lastly, before we go into this, today's sponsor, PeacefulFathers.com, run by Anthony Migliorino. You can find him on all social media, at Peaceful Fathers. It makes great sense that Tanner and I coming together to talk of fatherhood and talk of connecting with our families, that we're on a podcast that is sponsored by a blog and a man and a message that is pushing connection, unity, and peace within the home. The world can be dark. Keep that light inside your walls. Connect with your spouse if you have one. Connect with your children if you have them. Be a peaceful father. Be a beacon of hope in a world that right now really needs it. Now let's dive into this discussion. And again, (laughs) you're not going to want to miss it. Just sit, relax, and enjoy the ride that Tanner takes us on. It's excellent. Take care. Enjoy. Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast. A place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here's your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com 
and co-founder of the fraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Let's do it. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Zachary Small, and today I am joined by the Tanner Guzzi, the. author, the, you get a the on that, <laughs> you know, and now I get to go into the resume. Yes. <laughs> the author, the men's style coach, the men's all thing when it comes to finding your archetype and how you want to present yourself to the world, you know, but he's a father, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the host of the Spiritual Arson Podcast, the writer, creator, founder of Masculine-Style.com and a friend. And through all these things, you know, I was just talking to Tanner before we went live. I usually have a certain point I want to talk to my guests about. You know, I recently was talking to Cernovich and I wanted to talk his, his ideas on family with a political spin. I just had a podcast with Zuby, uh, AJ, Ed, and all these guys. I'm like, you know what? There's something they have that they see the world in a way that I don't. And I wanted their, their angle on it for those who listen to this podcast. In this discussion with Tanner, though, I want his perspective as to how he's doing what it is he's doing, you know, with the family and with himself and sort of how I say he, how you Tanner <laughs> cultivated this life that you ha- you're living and how as a father, you're finding fuel to continue to go forward, you know, from, from things like how your video looks right now, you're, you're looking to upgrade to bringing the family out, being involved, hitting the weights, boxing. I mean, it's, there are a lot of fathers who talk about wanting to be a better man and, and fully actualize their lives. And then there are men like you who are doing it. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bridge that gap. So there's more <laughs> men like you that are doing it and less that are talking about it. So with that, Tanner, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Zach. I'm, I, I always love a chance to talk with you, especially because I, I'm, very, I'm very flattered by how you've just introduced me. And I feel the same way when I see you doing stuff and you are you're an actor, not an aid, not something, an object that is acted upon. You do things. And I see you continue to, to not only plant that flag, but move forward into new territory. And sometimes I feel like I'm just doing my best to play keep up. <laughs> and that, that is a, a mutual thing. You know, I know. That's I the that's beauty the of best, it, right? Yeah. That's the best part of the whole discussion is like, man, like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you doing this? I'm like, how does it know, man? <laughs> I love it. It's so fun, man. <laughs> so how has your, your 2021 been thus far? Great. Yeah, we've been off to a great start. We uh, I uh, started taking my two oldest skiing this winter. Hadn't done that before. And man, for me, you're, you're at a point where you get this because your kids are a little bit older and you've got baseball and stuff like that. But like my two oldest who are eight and a half and just about to turn seven, we're at this phase now where they can come into a world of things that I like to do as opposed to just liking things because they like it. And so we've just been taking Thursdays and going up and going skiing and I have fun doing that on my own. And now I get to do it with my kids and my kids are actually like cool and they're good at it. And they're, they're trying to do jumps or they're learning how to do all this little stuff. And so it's, it's so fun. And so that's been a fantastic start. We are three weeks out from having a brand new baby. So that's going to be number five and get this. So not only are we that close out, but my wife and I, and a, a few buddies decided that we were going to do the 75 hard starting in, in January, on January 1st. So my wife, who is now full-term pregnant, is still doing the 75 hard and just killing it with that. Awesome. <laughs> so, right? It's like fantastic. full-term, like she's fully pregnant. She's fully <laughs> pregnant. Like she has hit full-term, this baby could come. And yeah, the irony is, I think the way that the timing would work, I would love it if this actually happened, is if her final workout on, fi- on the final day is like labor and delivering this baby, because that's like how perfectly this is all lined up. But honestly, like, one of the best parts about it, because 
we've got the two of us because she's pregnant because we've got the kids is that outdoor workout every day has been just taking a family walk. And that 45 minutes of being outside in very different weather, depending on the day, spending that time together, the fresh air, the sunshine, all of it has been legitimately one of the highlights of my year so far. And it's funny how something so simple and something that we really should have been doing for the last 10 years that we've been married, we just got this little kick in the pants to do it. And now it's like, as soon as she's recovered from this, we're going to be right back at it with these walks again, because it's been such a crucial thing for us. So yeah, 2021 has been awesome for us so far. Isn't that amazing? Well, let's not even breeze over this. If that 75 day, you know, the workout of the day is labor, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like bringing life into the world. She wins. Like that is the ultimate workout of all time. But seriously, like if it happens three days earlier, she's the kind of person that she's going to be like recovering and she's smart about stuff. I I know a lot of people like, well, she should really take, and she does. She takes it easy. But she's going to be like doing like little two pound wrist curls for 45 minutes the next day just so she can get it done because she just she's wired like that. She's she's fully leaned into the guzzy mantra of guzzies do hard things. And we both try and establish that for the kids. And it's really become part of who we are. And it's awesome to have a teammate who's doing that with me. Oh, and it's the guzzies. It's not mm-hmm. this something that Tanner. It's not the Tanner. Mm-hmm. It's the guzzies. Yep. It's a clan thing. Yeah, oh, I think that's wonderful. And having met her, you know, it's not a surprise at all. You know, she's going to see it all the way through. And if that means two pound curls, you you do what you have to do. (laughs) Exactly. But I do want to bring a point. You know, you're talking about the walks and the simplicity of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's often lost on people, or at least I've seen this, that the people that are the most stressed out are somewhat bringing that stress upon themselves. And where you could simplify your life, but they think they can't because happiness comes from this complex event with the kids or the wife. And you're talking about it being a walk. Right. That's interesting. It is. And I think it's one of those things we're actually, we're dealing with this with my son right now where he he had a day yesterday where he's talking about how it was the hardest day of his life because he's got all these little kind of stressors. He got a lizard for Christmas and he keeps missing on telling us when we need to get new crickets for it. And then he gets stressed out that way. He doesn't get as much screen time as he wants. Or when he does, he's not as good at Zelda as he wants to be, or, you know, his friends are, we're dealing with quarantine stuff and like all these little things And he uses it as this big example of why his life is so hard. And we were having a conversation yesterday where it's like, do you think that your life is more stressful than mine? And being a cute seven-year-old kid, he's like, yeah, dad, you don't have to worry about things like I do. (laughs) (laughs) And so we kind of walked through the things that dad gets to stress out about. And and then I asked him, do you think that you're happier than I am? Or do you think that I'm happier than you are? And he says, I think you're happier than me. It's like, okay, so why does that work? Why is it that when my life is more stressful, I'm happier. And so it was an opportunity to talk about what we choose to focus on. Are we leaning into the stress and, and choosing more voluntary stress? Are we, are we building our boundaries of self-discipline so that the stresses that we do experience are things that are self-imposed as opposed to other imposed? Yeah. And you're obviously aware of like the Jocko stuff, warrior kid, like all of these terms that he's familiar with. And, but how many adults miss that where it's like, I need to do this big grandiose thing. And it's like, no, do something a little bit difficult Go for a walk with your family, get outside and watch is that that choice to do something that's even moderately stressful can melt away all these other kind of chronic stresses that you that you get so hung up on. Do you think you're able to have those discussions with him because you have those types of discussions with other men? And maybe yes. that's what's lacking is that these fathers don't talk to other men like this and therefore they don't even it doesn't it's not that they're not speaking to their sons or daughters. It just, they don't do that with anybody, never mind right. their children. 
No, they haven't put in the reps on how to be able to think about stuff like that or, or certainly how to articulate it and then being good enough at it that you can simplify it down on a kid's level as opposed to talking about it between men or adults. And I think sadly there is, there's a lot of lack of intentionality. And it used to be that culture was set up in a way that like the schools did that, your church did that, your neighborhood did that, your sports organizations did that. And now we've lost a lot of that inertia. The organizations themselves don't do it. And so the parents have to step up. And it's obviously always been our primary responsibility anyway. But the onus is on us to get really good at having those kinds of conversations. And I think you're totally right. One of the better ways to get good at it is to talk about that as couples, is to have friends that are men and talk about it with other men and how they do it with their family or they do it with their employees or they do it in regards to their own personal development. And yeah, you need to have, you need to have this stuff be top of mind. There's a, I'm not sure if you've met him, Anthony Migliorino. He's going to be speaking at the next 21 con. He cool. runs peacefulfathers.com. He's big on peaceful yes, parenting. I'm familiar. I'm familiar with him. Uh-huh. All right. Very cool, dude. He's one of the ones who opened my eyes to using my children as the metric for my success as a parent, mm-hmm. as opposed to going online and say, well, hey, Tanner, how do you do this? Or do you do, you do this as a dad? You know, you run a, a father's group instead of going into the father's group and saying, hey, other dads, are we doing it this way? And is this the best way you go to the child? Hey, son. Hey, daughter. You know, how do you think I'm doing as a father? Yeah, that's that's a I, I want to say weird, but that's a uncomfortable question to ask your kid that I don't think if I crossed paths with Anthony, I would have ever thought of that on my own. No. And I've heard that elsewhere before. And I love that that's a, kind of an intimidating question. And I think about how good it is for your kids, because I don't know how it was like for you, but my parents were very much of the uh, what show no weakness, show no imperfection, show no any, like my parents were the arbiters of all truth and righteousness. And there were certainly very good things that came from that. There were a lot of blessings that came from that. And a lot of things that made it really difficult was that I couldn't, I couldn't connect with them in a lot of ways, nor could I fully trust them because they really didn't ever feel like they understood where I was coming from, what I was struggling with. I didn't get a lot of apologies. I didn't get a lot of, uh, yeah, I screwed that one up. Sorry that I made that mistake. And the more that we do that with our kids or the more that we solicit feedback from them, then the more that they can see that it's like, no, mom and dad are still just trying to figure this out too. It's not like they've crossed this magical threshold where all of a sudden they're omnipotent and omniscient and hooray. Like we're still working on this as we go as well. (laughs) Well, it, It was the same for me coming up, but you had me reflecting on a recent conversation with my son. You know, I had a bunch of things going on and I came in. He's like, hey, how you doing? Instead of just saying, oh, I'm good. I was like, I got a bunch of things going on, buddy. And I kind of sat down and I I laid it out. I was like, you know, I'm trying to balance some time with this and some time with that. And the the times are conflicting a lot. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah. So and he just like the little man just started talking to me. And we get this vision of these two dudes sitting at a bar or some cafe somewhere. But it's just me and my son in the kitchen. Yes. I view him. He's like one of the coolest men I know, even though he's an 11 year old boy, you know, uh-huh. that I'm raising up in the world. And I think that there is something to be said that by letting our children see how adults handle stress, how we handle life and figuring things out, they can, as you said, better relate and understand that we're doing the same thing they're doing, just older and bigger. Right. <laughs> well, and think about think about the long term implications of that, because how often do we hear people say like, oh, I'm not going to have kids till I'm. I'm in this perfect financial situation, or I'm not going to get married until I've got everything in order. I'm not going to do this until everything is totally fallen in a row. And how much of that comes from the fact that we felt like our parents totally had it together or that they acted like they did. And we knew that they didn't. And so it was all this big facade. Whereas what we can really do is show it's like, buddy, 
I don't have my act together. I'm just making <laughs> this crap up as I go. And there are things that I'm going to do now that I'm going to apologize for in a day. And there are things that I'm going to do now that I'm going to apologize for in 10 years. And like, you're never really fully ready. And if we can model that, then I imagine it would make adulthood, marriage, parenthood, entrepreneurship, legacy, all of these other things feel so much more attainable because then it's not faking this omniscience or this omnipotence, but it's just like, yeah, well, I'm just a few steps further down the path than you. And it's just that, that I feel like that makes it way more attainable for kids to actually aspire to be adults. You know, I think there's an element to that too, where we, you see beauty and things that are somewhat flawed. Yeah. You know, if, if I gave you a perfect photo, you're like, oh, that's, that's a perfect photo, but I can't relate to that. Right. But if there's a flaw, you're like, all right, that's kind of like me. Mm-hmm. I can better relate. And therefore the kids, you know, people, these people chasing that perfect photo is because that's all they saw. I, that's right. an excellent point. I don't think I've ever had that discussion with anybody on how their parents impacted their view of what the time being right for a family a parent. You know, it's never, I was an E4, I think in the Navy. Mm-hmm. I was making, I think like 13 cents an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like we were not ready and guess no. what? We grew with them. So we, start, that's the thing. What a beautiful time though. They can see you in the process. Right. And you're not, you're not totally calcified and hardened in that. This is what I am. And this is how I do things because imagine not going into marriage and parenthood thinking that it can change you or that it should change you, that you should be so fully established and have your act so together that you can just nail it perfectly as opposed to like, no, this is a really good opportunity for me to grow as I'm helping my family grow as well. I think we're totally backwards in our perception on that. So speaking of backwards, you said something else that some men will hear and they're like, you talk to your wife, (laughs) you know, I talk to Jackie all the time and I share that almost in spite or just to spite the people that are like, don't ever speak to your wife about anything's ever. And it's, have you seen, you know, not just in our space online, but maybe with your peers, uh, those in your real world, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that there, there is this. There's, there's like three groups. There's the dudes who complain to their wife all the time. And they're like, mm-hmm. they're like uh, co-parents and roommates. Right. There, there are the men who are like, I don't speak to my wife at all. And she doesn't really know who I am as a right. man. She's basically just a, a grown up child. Yes. And then yeah. there's that, that middle, that little sliver in the middle. That's like, Hey, I talk to her about the appropriate things, but I don't complain and just data dump on her 24 seven. Right. Are you seeing that? Or am I just biased because of the online world that we're in? No, I see it that same way too. I would say that like 80% of the people that I interact with in real life are in that first category where it's like your wife is just an emotional wastebasket that you just kind of dump on and mommy, please fix my problems, make the boo-boo go away. And I can see why the guys who skew totally in the other direction skew the other direction because that is bad news. That doesn't work. But then you go this other way where it becomes this cold and dictatorial and... Like your wife is not a child, just like you're not her child. She's not your child. And there are definitely ways that we're different and that we think about things differently. And yes, when I get together with my friends, I talk about my problems in a different way than how I talk about them with my wife. But she's my co-pilot, man. And she can't help me steer the ship or fly the plane if she doesn't know about the turbulence that's coming up or you've got this mountain range over here or anything. And so she's not just another passenger on the plane like the kids are. And you you got to cue her in if you're going to be able to tap her as a resource and if you want to have that closeness of being able to be functional adults as opposed to she's just, yeah, she's just another passenger on the plane. You know, and when you say that, you know, that the beautiful picture you can paint and the connections that you can have, you know, for some reason, the the vision of just like water, 
Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to flood her with stuff, but you don't want a drought, you know, where yes, you hold all water back. So now it's broken down. So you want just that nice river mm-hmm. and that's where animals go. And that's where the trees flourish. And, and it's just picturesque. I like that. You know? Yeah. That's a great visual. I think that's a perfect way to put it where it's not a slot Canyon that is either dead or a complete like flash flood. You want that nice, easy stream that that's where beauty can come from. And that's one of the reasons why, again, going into this discussion, I didn't really want there to be a direction right? because these conversations, just normal discussions on normal life are so uncommon, you know, with the majority of those who are holding podcasts or these things, it's always this hyper focus on this extreme metric, right? Whatever, you know, what's and this I, crazy like, niche that you're focused in. And it's, what's it's, that KPI? Yeah, or, that's yeah. not real. Like that is, that is, <laughs> I get it. Your, your SEO is probably through the roof for that demographic. But <laughs> right. There's a much larger population of dudes living normal lives that just want to like improve that, that little bit in that one area. Yep. And they, they just can't relate to anybody else because they're going too far down the deep end. Right. I'm like, bring it back. You know, <laughs> I understand social media. I get how the all echo chambers work. I understand, you know, what sells. But I think there's a much larger population of people who are just looking like, well, I'm just trying to figure out how should I talk to my wife or or how should I speak to my kids? You know, and I just want to lose a little bit of weight. I'm not worried about hyper-focused, you know, alpha muscles just to the extreme. And I think in these conversations, you start to see like, oh, it's okay to be a normal human being. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to talk to your wife. It's okay to talk to your kids. And somewhere along the way, I have found we're, we're sort of all getting caught up in this rapid accelerator, be it the media, be it how fast things are happening in, in I want to say life, but it, it really is all aspects of life, you know? Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm wondering, how are you keeping those boundaries up to where you've got that some, you're not sheltered. That's not the right term, but you do, you're keeping the wrong things out and you're Mm -hmm. filtering the right things getting in. And that's allowing you, your wife, your children to, to prosper in a normal manner, like normal human beings should. Yeah. While everybody else is crazy. (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah how I'm do you do that, that? <laughs> man that's such a good question because it's, it, it, <laughs> it's such a hard balance whether it's for yourself or for your for your marriage and the relationship there or how it is with kids because you do you need to find the right amount of tension between i'm aware of what's going on in the world but i'm also not totally drawn into it So it's not like I've totally been sucked in. I'm totally naive. And I feel like, and tell me if this is a case for you, but I feel like for me, one of the reasons that it it appears that I stay steady is because I do these kind of like micro oscillations where there are times when it feels like the world actually is about to end. And I really wish that we had just bought a homestead and I had learned how to live off the land 15 years ago. And it's like, Holy crap. And then there are other times where it's like, we're taking this thing to the moon and it's going to be awesome. And you just kind of, you kind of oscillate somewhere in between there. And I think a lot of it for me has been the experience of you find where the boundaries are. And I don't mean like moral boundaries, but I I think about boundaries as far as like scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset or risk versus security, or, you know, I'm going to let my kids experience their own hardship and suffer the consequences of things, or I'm going to step in and I'm going to take care of things. And so for, for us as a family, I think what it naturally comes down to is a willingness to be curious and a a willingness to act as opposed to planning and then using the feedback that you get from them, from those actions to be able to go, okay, we way overdid it there. We underdid it here. And you just get enough reps under your belt 
that you start to figure out where the actual borders should be and how you can operate within them. Does that make any sense? No, no. Not only do I like it, I like how you worded it, you know, with the acting, you know, earlier you said you're you're the actor not being acted upon. Yeah. And you know, you're learning the cello, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I I saw, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw the video, I heard you were talking about it and I was like, that's really cool. And it reminded me, I, I shared a tweet recently where I was like, look, politics don't belong in the home. I was like, I have no idea what happened with the impeachment. I have no idea what happened. You know, the whole day, all that stuff went down and people were like, what do you mean? And like super frustrated that I was mm-hmm. talking about not knowing what was happening. And with you talking about those micro oscillations, you know, I am aware, but I'm not reacting to everything that pops up. And I think that that, that plays into what you're saying. You know, you're, people are, are losing their minds about what's happening with Trump or what's happening at the level or stocks or crypto, whatever. And you're like, I'm going to learn the cello. <laughs> you can't do that, Tanner. You're not allowed to go do this. You're supposed to be freaking out, man. <laughs> and it, it's crazy how people don't, it's okay to choose to not react. Yeah. You're free but, to do that. Well, and it's not even that, because when you do react, you need to, because politics does affect our lives. Things that happen in the outside, they do affect our lives, but you need to be consciously reactive as opposed to just emotionally reactive. And I think about, you know, I could see this, this picture of Washington in, uh, in your office, or I'm reading based on the episode that you did with, with Donovan, with Jack, uh, Cherno's a life. Great book. So good. (laughs) And you, I I'm listening to, or I'm reading through this and you think about how similar, how many similarities there are between what his experience was and like how much time and how many different, like the Boston tea party did not happen three days before they signed the declaration of independence. (laughs) Lexington and Concord didn't happen three days before the, before he became the general of the Continental Army. Like things take a while to kind of boil up and build and establish. And Washington was pissed in the fifties about the fact that the royal officers got treated better than than the than the colonial officers did. Like he was not just this emotionally temper tantrumy, whiny, reactive person, and. That doesn't mean that he also didn't acknowledge that there were real consequences to the things that the larger world was trying to impose on him. And so as we get more historical context, as you learn about, for me, like I'm remembering what it's like to be an awkwardly painful beginner with the cello. And then how can that translate into other things that I may be too timid to do in the rest of my life because I'm afraid of looking like an idiot? Or how can I leverage that to being a better dad and helping my kid get like none of this has to be domain dependent. And I feel like the more that we just get hyper-focused on politics, this or manosphere that or anything else that we do just get caught up in this emotional cycle of, of being blown about by all the changing winds of the world, rather than being able to stand strong and go, yeah, that wind's blowing really hard. But historically we've known other, other winds that have blown harder. And even in my own experience, I've been through storms worse than that. And so I'm, I'm cautious, I'm aware but I'm not getting out the guns yet. You know, they're there. We just need more. We need more experience. We need more reps. We need more intentionality. We need more action and more ability to experiment with stuff. You know, and as you're saying that I'm realizing the people that try to keep up with each of those flashes in the pan as the next, the wind comes by, it's just redundant outrage. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, and I'm a part of this. I can't remember what I was mad about a month ago. But I'm sure, there, I'm sure there was something that I was sitting there like, oh, this is the thing. Yes. I, oh, let, let's say last week. I can't tell you what it was that was. It's just like so many things all the time to the point where I'm like, I, you can't get me mad. 
Well, <laughs> like, and even on a personal level, like when's the last time, you know, how many blog posts have been written about you or how many people have quote tweeted you to large audiences and tried to humiliate you? And it hurts for like two minutes and you go, yeah, been there, done that before, whatever. And, <laughs> you know, like you're right. All the stuff that we get mad about, all the stuff that we get scared about, all the stuff that we get frustrated about. Usually a week later, it doesn't matter that much. But we allow the moment of that to actually make it work worse and to exacerbate it because we're not in control because we, yeah, we're too emotionally reactive and responsive. There was, I think you saw it, some lady, uh, Jane Godley or Goodall yes, or something. that's what came to my mind. I was thinking about it. Your reaction was perfect too. <laughs> but there was a time, let's say two years ago, if that happened, I would have flamed out. Like, uh-huh. who are you? I'm trying to do like, now I'm like, it doesn't even matter. And it's not a case of, Oh, I'm just like nihilistic. Like nothing matters. No, No, this is not something worth reacting over right here. This is an opportunity for me to amplify. Meta March is happening. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't care what this lady, like she has like 200 something thousand followers. She's, I guess, an accomplished comedian. Why she's talking about me. Like you need new material. Seriously. (laughs) That's it. That's a personal issue. Not a media issue. Yeah. But there would have been a time where I would have thought any slight to me, but maybe I was insecure, you know, and maybe in that I, wasn't as grounded as I am now. And therefore I was like, I've got to defend this. So how did you get more grounded? What did you do to get to the point where it just rolls off your back compared to what it was before? Uh, it's probably a combination of two things. So AJ Cortez, mm-hmm. he uh, electronically slapped me one time. You know, I, I was like, to, I was, I was <laughs> he, arguing with all of that. Tro- he's he's really good, good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I was arguing with trolls and he's like, dude. And like, we had like a heart to heart moment. I was like, Roger that. Well, especially because the amount of heat that he's taken between him and Cernovich, like they're professionals, trust these guys that they know how to handle it. And it's like, okay, well, we'll take some cues from you guys. You've been there and done that. Yeah, I think, too. And, you know, I wonder if you with your groups and the men you've worked with or are working with, you know, having FOE and being able to see what's really important. You know, when I see these men fixing their lives, when I see these real changes, like fathers better connecting with their children, marriages improving, men finding that confidence. Nothing online is anywhere close to that emotion to where I'm so focused on that and so pleased and happy with where that's going and fighting for that more that I think any energy to give away to somebody trolling online is like, I look at the beauty here. This is nothing. You're when you're ready to fix yourself, I'll be here. Right. You can't touch me. No, I love that. I think that's that's an awesome perspective, because the more you have going for you, both in what you're building, what you're focusing on. But I also think one thing that's kind of misunderstood and tell me if this has been your experience, but it's certainly been mine is as I have a tighter knit group of people who I feel like I really trust and I respect and their opinions matter to me for the right reasons, then the less I depend on the opinions of total strangers. And I think most people who can get caught up in all the the internet flame wars and the trolling and everything else they don't have anybody who they really have is like a brother or a brotherhood or like kith and kin and all of that. And so because they don't have that home base, then they're subject to the whims and the opinions of everybody else in the outside world. Whereas when you do have that home base, then who cares what some rando on Twitter has to say about you because you've got your people and you know that you're, you're good with them. Would you say through your experience that with your online connections, and let's say your local, the local men that you're friends with, mm-hmm. you know, or that are at part of your church. Yeah. Is that the same type of connections or are those two different type of relationships you hold? 
They're different. And I think that for me personally, that's one of the biggest challenges. I think the only way that I've combined that is I have a group of there are five of us and uh, four of us are members of, of our church. And another one of us is Catholic, but that's like the only real overlay between like the online men's self-development uh, self. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. And then also the moral, spiritual, doctrinal components as well. And I really like, it's funny. I've, uh, my wife has heard me lament this a couple of times where it's like, man, I wish that all the guys in my neighborhood and that I went to church with were as proactive and as awesome as the guys that I speak at with 21, you know, and all my, like my awesome online friends. And I wish that all of my awesome online friends were guys that I could really like, I could go to church with, and I could go to the temple with, and I could have that kind of relationship with as well. And it's like, I just, I got to get these worlds to clash, man. (laughs) (laughs) But it feels like it's starting to get more and more there. And um, part of that may be for me more that it feels like I'm, I'm integrating more and more because, you know, when I first started writing stuff. And even when I was first doing uh, public speaking for 21 or for menfluential or stuff like that, I wasn't necessarily talking about my religious life or my moral convictions or any of those things. And as I've started to talk about it more and it becomes more and more a part of how people understand me and how people define me, then it does become really easy to have conversations in that regard and to watch those worlds kind of enmesh and combine as, because I'm not the one who's keeping them separate. I like that. You know, it's interesting to me. And I'm trying to look at it from when I first came across your work to meeting you mm-hmm. to, to now multiple times. I'm like, all right, like we're, we're in a flow. We're buds. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, you hit that level, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, but I'm like, man, before I knew, I was like, oh, like this guy, like I got to dress better. Like, you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> and then I was, I mean, like I said before, you know, we started talking. I'm like, oh, I mean, the style is cool. You're, you're very well versed. You know, you've literally written the book on it, but that's literally a sliver of who you are as a man. Mm-hmm. I was like, but and I never saw that until, you started sharing it and then I started prying a little and we, bam, it opened up because you saw what I was about. I saw what you were about. Exactly. You know, and I wonder how many could develop that relationship, you know, if they were to be that open and you integrating, like you said, that's a great term as well, you know, but I've started sharing what I do with my world. I dropped the pen name last year. Right. Which Zach, was I'm, such a great move. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and nothing happened. I'm almost disappointed. <laughs> I know. Isn't that the best part? <laughs> like, I'm ready. Nobody for the, cares. Yeah, fire and brimstone, and literally like nothing. I nothing. Like, oh, I just got to change a bunch of links. I guess that's all that I had to do. <laughs> but I get to talk about it now, and all exactly. of a sudden, parents are coming up to me, friends are coming up to me, my family, and I'm starting to see these little changes. You know, my my in laws, they're both sober now. You know, for for Fantastic. 150 days moving forward. My family, you know, friends, I see certain things on Facebook that are a different angle, like sharing photos with doing stuff with the kids or, mm-hmm. or going out. And I'm like, you never did that before. And I'm not going to say it was me, but I've been doing this a lot and now you're doing it. And I like to see that. And whatever the yes. reason is, this is a good movement. Well, and you and I harp on that all the time about how much we, our goal is to be average, not in that we drop our level, but that everybody else exceeds us. And it's just like, I, I would love that. I would love it if I had to like, if there were that little kind of friendly competition that you and I have, and I had that with all of the guys in my neighborhood where it's like, everybody who's, who's wins that game is right. <laughs> everybody does. And that what's so cool is in a community aspect of it, like every, like your kids are around friends who have better parents and they're more involved in that way. And it's just like, it's that whole cliche of a rising tide lifts all ships, but it really does. And so I absolutely love hearing you say that you're seeing this, spread and expand more and more because people are basically they're seeing the they're seeing 
your tree bear fruit and it's a good fruit. And so they want to plant that same kind of tree in their own lives because how, how often are we given a beautiful fruit, but it's waxy and rotten on the inside. Whereas it's so obvious that the fruit that you're, you're bearing is actually delicious and good and, and nutritious and all of that as well. You know, and to, to run with that back to the, the perfect photo and then the flawed, mm-hmm. when you get that apple that might be not perfect circle, but that apple tastes good. That is yes. a real apple. You know, it's yes. not some manufactured where you're not going to get the proper nutrients to grow. Right. You know, when, when I share certain things, sometimes I have this complex and I wonder if you do as well, okay. you know, when you start or when I start to share like sobriety, or I start yeah. to share a failure or like somewhere I'm like, man, this is not a, a fun subject, but I'm going to talk about it because you know, it's a part of my story. I want people mm-hmm. to see the full story. I, I put it out there and it's, it's not shame, but there is a sense of fuel there to like, once I share it, I'm now like, I have to share this. I have to own this. Yes. I gotta, you know, it, 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 it's a weird feeling because it's a negative thing. It's well, not negative, but it's a, a struggle you're talking about, but then that propels you forward. And it's, have you found yourself when you're like, man, I really suck at this thing. And now I'm going to have more fuel to be better at this thing. Right. No, I certainly have experienced that to, to, a, to some extent when I think about things like, um, I, I don't have a problem talking about my failures. You know, I'll post up uh, photos on Instagram of me, like with a bloody nose uh, after getting wrecked in, in a boxing bout, or, um, you know, I'll talk about the fact that I'm going to learn the cello or that I was uh, training for an Ironman last year. And uh, these things, like in a lot of ways, these are failures, but I'm not posting videos of me clunking it out awkwardly on the strings. Maybe I should be, maybe that's even more important for the integration. I haven't posted the full video of me getting totally wrecked in that boxing bout. Maybe I should be, there's a little bit of fear there and maybe I should be a little bit more integrated where it's being willing to post up all of that kind of stuff. But I I certainly feel it to some extent where you, you, you feel that and then you go, okay, now I got to step up my game even more. And I think that's part of the reason why, because the same thing with, with what you were saying, as far as like you drop the pen name, nothing really happened. It wasn't that big of a deal. That's how it was for me. Just getting totally wrecked with boxing where it's like this humiliating thing that really wasn't actually that humiliating in a lot of ways. It was really awesome. So what's the next thing that I'm scared to try that if I fail, it may be really humiliating and then you do it and then it's really pretty awesome. And and you just kind of, I feel like failure is one of those things that you can and should leverage just as much as you leverage your success because failure more often than not is bigger in our heads than it is in real life. And the more failure reps you get under your belt, then the more confident you can be just like the more success reps you get under your belt, the more confident you can be too. It's like it strips it of its power. Uh-huh. You know, once I drop yeah. a pen name, I'm like, well, if nothing happened, what else am I hiding that I could just <laughs> yes, do and right? not worry about? <laughs> How many other boogeymen are there in the closet that you open the door and they're not there? Now's a good time to share. My real name's Mike, guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Zach. There's no other, there's no other names. <laughs> We're going multiple layers deep on it's this. Meta. <laughs> you know, but to your point on it being a balance between failures and success, at no point am I saying become the, the failure porn guy. Because then oh, you're almost no. you're almost to the self-deprecating guy where you're always right. making fun of yourself. It's there has to be a lesson learned there. No, I think you're right. And maybe this is one of those things. Tell me if you feel a little bit self-conscious about this. Because whenever I do post about my failures, it's always like, here's the lesson that I learned, and here's what you should be taking away from this, and here are the things that you can do. And it almost feels like let me be the wise Instagram sage, the guru, <laughs> and I'm gonna teach you you guys from my failures. 
But at the same time, I feel like that's really the only way to do it where it's not wallowing in it, where it's like, please pity me. And, you know, let's all just make Tanner feel good about himself because he sucks. Or it's also not that I don't share it at all. And all you ever see are the wins. And so for me, and part of it is because that's how I frame failures in my own brain is like, okay, I failed at that. What is it that I can learn from it? How can I leverage it into a future success? And so for me, it's been that way. Do you feel that like, do you find that when you're talking about failure that you kind of have to go down that same road? Otherwise you find yourself on, on either weird side. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things where I'm constantly trying to stress. I'm like, I like, I'm just a dad, yeah. I'm a husband. I'm just doing my thing and I'm just sharing the lessons. Yeah. And it's, you get both though. It's, I get the messages from people who are saying, oh, you know, Mr. Perfect. I'm like, oh my God, I, I just shared a failure and you called me perfect. Yes, perfect. Thank you. But then like right below that is the DM of the person saying, oh, thank you so much. You know, yeah. not everybody's presenting this image online and you're sharing that. So it's like, I'm going to throw it out there and let it do what it does. But I think it has to come from a place where I'm genuinely just sharing like, hey, win or loss here's what i did here's why i did it here's a takeaway i think you can have you do with that as you please so it's almost like a hands-off like i'm trying to not steer in any way i'm just like i'm just going to give you the thing well and maybe i'm a little bit more sensitive to it because i come from the whole like mommy blogger culture is huge down here because within our culture you got a bunch of kids and a bunch of stay-at-home moms and they they write about stuff and one of the things especially a few years ago and you even see it now is it's like let's be real about what it is to be a parent or let's be real about and most of the time when people say that what they're really saying is let's shine a light on the dark underbelly of things as a way to remove the standards and a way to remove the expectations. Because if we don't have standards or expectations, then all of a sudden I don't feel bad about my failures. And I never want to go down that route. I want to share failure as a, as one path to success, not failure of mine as indicative of a problem of a societal failing that there are even standards I'm trying to live up to at all. Or, or in some way giving a blessing like, oh yeah, right. it's okay. No, yeah. no, no, no. You're supposed to <laughs> don't fail, but when you do, it's not the end of the world and just learn from it. And that temporary failure, you know, and when you said that I saw an image, it was a mom who was totally jacked up, like no makeup, her hair is a mess. Uh-huh. And she's like, here's the real look that you don't see mom sharing. Yeah. And I was like, in, in that literal moment, I understand the point she was trying to make. I was like, but that doesn't mean that's where you stay. No, put yourself together. People go there. Exactly. They just go, oh, well, now she gave me permission to embrace this as as opposed to like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm more guilty of that than I should be. I'm going to step up my game in that regard. Finding people reacting to my words or making life choices on my words was one of the most eye opening, you know, experiences for me to see how deep this thing goes and how intentional I need to be with Mm -hmm. the wording I use. You know, I think it was Ryan Stone who said, I can't put at the end of every tweet, don't eat lead paint. <laughs> like, he's like, look, when I say yeah. like, hey, go go do extreme things with your life so you can feel, I'm not saying go jump off a cliff without a parachute. Right. Like, you need to be an adult and, and process that. You know, in my recent uh, podcast with Mike Cernovich, he was talking about how when he speaks to these men, he's like, oh, you're an adult. He's like, when I say something, you have to just understand it and apply it. He's like, but when I had children, I realized I had to change that tone. Yes. And with those kids, they don't know that. And you've got to, so it's almost like you need to know your audience. And if if you're saying, you know, hey, I got punched in the face and it broke my face, that doesn't mean go out and just get punched in the face all the time. That's not the lesson. <laughs> not at know? all. And the audience needs to know and, and sort of ex- understand that. But yeah. you also need to know when to change the tone. Yep. How to, you know, the way you talk to your wife is different than the kids, different than somebody else's wife or their kids. It's It's an interesting filter you constantly need to be aware of. 
Absolutely. And it's one of the burdens of responsibility that we have both in leaders within our families, but even as kind of like, I don't know, it's just going to sound douchey either way, but like self-created online leaders, because nobody's given us any authority to do anything, but people do look up to us. And we do have a responsibility of making sure that we can understand what it is that they're looking for and how do we articulate those ideas and how do we how do we help steer the culture in a positive direction as opposed to wallowing in a negative direction? And th- there is, there's a responsibility on us to, to think about the consequences of the way that we present those things. It's funny. You try like to label what we are. I've had, have you gotten the DMS like who put you in charge or, or who do you think you are to give out this advice? I'm like, no, I guess, but I guess I've me. Seen, <laughs> I've seen them from you. I've seen like Mickler gets them all the time. I have yet to get anything like that, which is great, but <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> I know. Right. Lucky me. I can, I, it'll, it'll come, it'll come at this episode. <laughs> I've reached the point where I just, re- my, que- my response to that question is just like me with a question mark. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I just started talking and people started listening. I didn't put exactly. myself like, <laughs> There is no blessing authority on no. fatherhood. Like my kids don't have manuals. I'm not telling you this is the way. No. I'm telling you this is my way. Right. It's, it's I've experienced positive things. Yep. yep. But it's it's funny. Back to Anthony. You know, I, I'm like Mister like Family Alpha, pushing mm-hmm. the family. Rah. And then he shares something, and I'm like, oh, just so you guys know, I was doing this all wrong, and I learned from this guy. Yep. Talk to my kids more. And yep. Like, well, how can you like? There's no. Guys, that's what good leadership is. Yeah, like when there's good input, you listen and you apply immediately. There's no need for me to say, well, I didn't come up with it, so it can't be good. (laughs) (laughs) What a stupid position to take. (laughs) And But you know there are people who they can't change because they can't. How could I follow you? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but it is. It's so ridiculous. And it just shows that their loyalty is not actually to like – the main objective is not good parenthood or good masculinity. It's not actually building something other than their status within a given organization or a given culture or different like Twitter corner or something else. And sorry, if I have to sacrifice some of my credibility, and here's the real irony is the more honest you are about the mistakes you make, the more you build your credibility. But if I have to sacrifice my credibility to be able to, to acknowledge that I totally screwed this one thing up and I've gone in a different direction, that's fine. Cause I'm more interested in becoming the best version of myself self, even if that means that I lose clout or followers or whatever else along the way. How did you get to that point though? You know, like how, and I guess that goes back to my earlier question on how do you maintain those boundaries? Again, you're in this space. I see the, the interactions you're having. I see the, the, the group I'm, I'm with the speaking crew that you're in. Mm-hmm. I see it all yet. You're not in any way bending your mold to fit in. Like you just do your thing. Right. And that's why it works. That's why I enjoy your company. That's why this thing works. You know, you're, you're learning the freaking cello. Like that blows my mind, <laughs> but you're like, dude, I don't care. Like, I'm going to go ahead and just learn something. Why would I not? You know, it, yeah. it reminds me of Ryan Mickler, you know, yeah. dude's, he's building a, he's building a, canoe. a canoe with his son. It's fantastic. I'm like, that is amazing. Yeah. Like that is great work. Yep. Yet so many people are, are focused on fitting in and doing what the other dude's doing. And I'm like, that's boring as hell. It really is. Okay. So how, so- how do you maintain that? Well, I think for me, there's there's two components of this. One of them we kind of touched on a little bit in regards to failure. My biggest quote unquote failure was going through a very ugly divorce and having my my ex-wife and a bunch of her family and kind of influential people totally shred and destroy my online reputation. This was before doing masculine style or anything else like that. I'm fresh out of college. I'm trying to get a better job than working for a local credit union, making $13 an hour. And you Google the very unique name of Tanner Guzzi, 
and there's just venom all over online. That's the only thing that pops up. And I grew up in a family where reputation was a really big deal. You know, you have a unique name. I come from a family, especially on my mom's side, where they have a strong reputation. And so not being in good standing within my peers was kind of like the biggest boogeyman of them all. And then I get there and I go through it. And just like it was with you when you got, you know, when you kind of name doxed, uh, yeah, it sucked and it sucked for a few months, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't nearly, and I had a lot, I'm everything that I have a masculine style. I stopped writing under the pseudonym and I started using my real name as a way to combat that, which led to my trying to be more intentional about fatherhood, which led to the speaking engagements, which led to the peers and the friends that I make, which led to my having a deeper testimony of my convictions. Like Everything that is good in my life that took me from the path of the the average normie into being the person that I am today started because of how humiliating and embarrassing that divorce was. So that's the first thing is that you look at it and go, okay, well, nothing can be as bad as that. Or if it is, then I can just, I can come out of that and I can recover from that as well. And then I think the second thing really has to do with the fact that my Okay. So you talk about like all the different ideas that everybody at 21 has, or, you know, even what the red pill was like nine, nine years ago or five years ago or anything else. And it's like, Tanner, how do you as a family man and a religious man, like, how do you go to a conference where everybody's just talking about spinning plates and getting laid and all this other kind of stuff. And they use different language and they come from different worlds. Like, how do you make that work? And for me, one of the things that, let's see, how do I want to say this? We all have a standard of truth that we are ultimately loyal to and we try to fit every other truth within the world into that box. I think that's why so many guys in our sphere go through kind of like the anger phase or they go through other things because they had this standard of truth and then they find out it's totally bogus and then their whole worldview blows up and they're pissed about it and they're right to be pissed about it. For me, that standard of truth are the principles and the doctrines of the religion that I'm a part of and my relationship with God. And when I see things that seem like they contradict that, then I go through the mental challenge. And to me, it's almost kind of a game of like, okay, this seems like it contradicts this, but how does this actually fit within this? And how do I make this work? And how is this actually a manifestation of real truth? And so for me, all of a sudden it becomes very easy where it's like men and women are different and men and, you know, patriarchy is the way that God kind of established the the initial order and none of that stuff contradicts with anything related to truth. Yeah. I I do think you should get married young and I think you should both be virgins until you get married. And I think that you should have a lot of kids and I don't think you should be spinning, spinning plates or all these other directions that people go, but that doesn't have anything to do with the idea that men and women are different or that we should be living intentionally or that we should be seeking to become the best versions of ourselves. And so I'm always comparing it against that idea of what the, what my standard of truth is. And to me, that's trying to pursue what objective truth that comes from God is. Does that answer that? No, that's very well said. Okay, good. <laughs> I think when, when, when I hear, you know, when you tap into that and it starts to flow, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go, Tanner. <laughs> that was a good question. We yeah, got it. Like, you're, you're in, you know? Yes. That, that was, no, very well said. And to a degree, you know, I, w- I would throw this in there as well as once you start doing that, you start finding ways to, to fit into the world instead of pull yourself away and go into isolation island. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's also an element to where you build enough connections and you start putting yourself out there to the standard that people are now watching you. And then that, that may play an element in your decision. Like, you know what? I have to lift. I have to look better. You guys are going to see me in, you know, October. 
I can't look worse than I am now. No. My my kids, you know, who knows? We won't cross paths. Hey, here's my wife and kids. You're not going to want to see them be like, what? (laughs) They're they're like banshees. What a freak. Yeah, that lady like hates you. Like, this is not (laughs) what you put online. (laughs) No, right? So it's, you, you have to live that, you know, because in the real world, you're going to be measured to what it is you do online. And honestly, yep. you should be cooler in person than you are online. Yes, which like, by the way, Zach is. I was gonna say you're awesome like right now, but you're way cooler in person. <laughs> <laughs> my one of my one of the most fun because here's what another one of the things that I love about you know the relationship that you and I have or that a bunch of the other guys have is you know this ability to kind of tease each other. Cause I remember one time I got Ed on Twitter and I said, I don't remember how I put it exactly, but it was like Spent the weekend hanging out with Ed Lattimore. He's way cooler online than he is in person. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and what was fun is that he took that in the spirit in which it was intended and retweeted and everything. But you need, you're totally right. You need the ability to, you know, I've talked about, I've talked about this with Jack, where there's times that he doesn't want to do something. He's like, oh, I'm Jack Donovan and people are watching and I have to be Jack Donovan. And you kind of grumble about it a little bit, but you're also really grateful that you've put that pressure on yourself. And that's where it's a good thing to actually care about what other people think about you. Because if it's extra good pressure to make you better than you would be just on your own, that's a good thing. Exactly. And again, that, that comes from connecting. Yes. You know, and, and I'm always trying to push, you know, the applicable advice on the podcast. And that's some really, really good applicable advice right now for anybody listening is like, you have to start connecting. Totally. You know, and just reaching out. There are there are many groups out there. There's even if you're not even a part of a formal quote unquote group, just going on Twitter and starting to engage with people and have real discussions and not trolling or just, you know, side shots. There's right. a lot of dudes on Twitter I've never met. They're not FOE. They're not 21. Co- I've, they're nobody but a username, but I know them. Yes. Frequently go back and forth on just whatever, you know, life. Yep. Yep. Well, and I think another part of that as well is that you want it to get to the point where you have professed your convictions and your beliefs and you're sharing those aspirations enough that, okay, let's, let's say that you and I were to go hang out with all of our 21 crew and you and I were both to grab a drink. We were both to grab like, I don't know, a shot of tequila or something. I love to know that there are a number of guys that are part of our crew that would try and take those drinks out of our hands. One, because they know of my convictions and two, because they know that you've, you've been sober for as long as you have been that they're not going to be like, well, you know, Oh, I guess they've decided, Oh sweet. They're going to get drunk with us. But they really like, they admire and respect you enough, even if they don't share those exact same convictions, but they admire and respect you enough for sticking to your guns. Like Tex would slap those drinks right out of our hands. That's who I thought of. I can't believe you just said that. I was thinking of Tex. Oh my God. He would be so (laughs) mad. And I'm so grateful for that. That's why you need men in your life who were like that. That, that is absolutely insane. I was thinking of Tex. (laughs) That is, that's nuts, man. But it's to have somebody that cares enough about you to hurt your feelings yep. or for you to get mad at, you know, they'll still do it because they know it's what's best for you. Those are the exactly. type of friends you need. Exactly. You know, like, Hey, I'll, I'll hurt your feelings to help you. I'd, I will rather grab this wheel and pull you off the highway than say, <laughs> yeah, you're doing great guy. As we're heading towards a brick wall. Right. Right. And as you do connect and as you do connect, not only it's more of that integration when people know what your convictions are, when they know what your failures are, what your aspirations are, what your successes are, then they know how to be able to help you with those things. Absolutely. And so to aspirations and to having the men help you, what are your aspirations, you know, heading forward in this year? 
what, what, what's coming down the pipeline for you? What are you looking for? And how can I or the men listening or those who are part of the guzzy journey through you, <laughs> how can we best help? This is okay. This is where I think I've gotten myself into a little bit of trouble because I set these goals, you know, two years ago, it was, or three years ago, it was the boxing bout the year after that. I was doing a couple half marathons last year. It was doing the triathlon. Um, this year it's learning the cello and I don't know if I've gotten myself into this problem where I focus on something for a year and then it doesn't really become part of the bigger picture and then I move on. And so I'm not actually moving up. I'm just expanding laterally, if that makes sense. It does. And I, I don't know. Cause I mean, like, okay, here's one of the reasons why I decided I wanted to do the cello this year instead of doing something else, because all of my other challenges have been fitness challenges and it's been related to my body. And like, I'm still lifting four days a week. I'm still planning on doing a Spartan beast with some friends this summer. Like the physical component is still there, but I don't want to, man, I'm really glad you asked me this question. Cause it's such a frustrating one to answer. Cause I don't know. Do I, do I grow my business and just really put all my heart and my energy into that? Do I grow my fathers and heroes group? Do I just focus more on being a dad? Do I focus on talent stacking this or on doing that or what? And I, I don't know. So right now it feels like my aspirations are trying to figure out how I can, what, how I can get to a baseline in which I can actually use these for, for some good other than just glorifying myself or like collecting cool things that I know how to do. Cause when I think about big picture aspirations, I think about things like how do I find and then work with enough people that we can go buy land somewhere and we can all live together and be neighbors. And I can have my kids grow up around other people's kids that I want to be around. Or how do I have big cultural changes within my community here, within my family or within our culture at large. And those aren't the kind of things that I can just like set a few KPIs. And it's like, I know I'm on track for that this year. They're non, they're non quantifiable in that way. And so I guess one of the things that I'm concerned with, man, I, I'm just totally like thinking out loud as you ask me this, I dig it. <laughs> but it's, I think few people I, can be authentic. Few people right? could do what you're doing right now. <laughs> I think one of the things that I'm concerned with is, am I actually building myself in a way that I have the influence and the capacity to be able to do that? Do I make enough money that I can fund an arts program or am I cool enough that people actually want to be like me or they want their sons to be like me or that they want to move and they want to be in the same neighborhood as I am? Or am I just trying to do all these other things and convincing myself that the ultimate goal is to get there, but these goals are actually quite a bit more attainable. And so I can just focus on these little things and not actually ever get myself to that point. I don't know. So I need to think about this more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. You know, keep watering that seed. It'll sprout. <laughs> right. Yes. But I do. I need to figure out what my real motivation for where my current focuses are because I live, I live a fantastic life. I don't need to improve my life from the perspective of, you know, if I could just do this, like I would love my kids more. Or I would have a better relationship with them or my wife and I would be better off or I would, I am so blessed to live a phenomenal life and I get to do what I want to do with my time. And I get to, I don't worry about money or other things. And I don't want to, I don't want to live in a rambler when I have the capacity to build a mansion and house other people in that as well. And so I need to make sure that I'm taking the right steps to, to get to what that next level is. That's, it's a beautiful approach. 
without an answer. You know, like mm-hmm. that you did not give me an answer, but you gave me no. a mindset <laughs> and that, but that mindset is honestly better than the answer because now anybody else could take that mindset and run with it. And they're free from your already predestined, you know, conclusion. Yeah, There, there is yeah. no destination on that GPS. They can take yeah. it and go where they want to go, but right. with that Be- mindset, it, it'll bring them to great lands. Yep. That's, that's the goal. And, and especially because I don't want to be content when I do get to that point that it's like, well, sweet. Now I've arrived because man, compared to where I was 10 years ago, I've arrived and I'm so grateful for where I am. And I recognize that I've got so much more potential to do so much more. And I really want to feel that way in another 10 years and in another 10 years and in another 10 years. Is it, isn't that super frustrating though? In in, in the best of ways. I mean, I mean this well, I was Uh talking to Jackie. I was like, babe, I never thought I'd reach here. And right now I am so hungry to go further. I never thought I would be here. And I'm like, man, I've got like seven projects in the work right now. And I'm like pushing as hard as I can. And I'm like, there was a time where I didn't think this was possible. Uh And then you get there and you're like, oh man, what else could I do? You know, I spent five years in high school. I graduated with like a 0.02 GPA. You're dumb. Dude, dumb, uh, capital, capital D. I love that you took that in the right way. <laughs> Dude, it like, let's go a little further. I graduated, I think it was 315 out of 317. And there were like oh, nine special education kids. Oh, gosh. Like like literal learning disabilities. And they they scored. I was like, oh, man. So, But then all of a sudden, join the Navy. You know, start my family. Grow up. Right. Get out of the Navy. All the, it's, it's so weird once you crack that shell and you let that energy and the light come out. Yeah. How it all of a sudden you're like, man, like I thought this was the top and I'm up here and I'm still not even like halfway there. Well, and I want people don't realize that that's where the happiness comes from. At least for me, that's where it really comes from is that you, you get to a point that you never thought you could get to. And you go, Holy crap, I'm not done yet. Like I can do more. How do I instill that in my son? How do I help my friends see that? How do I help other people do that? Because there is so much more happiness in that than there is in a nine to five and Netflix, which does not mean that you have to work. You have to be an entrepreneur. There are wonderful ways, but basically just going through life on autopilot. There's no happiness in autopilot. There's happiness in intentionality and in challenging yourself and pushing yourself and recognizing what I thought was my potential was really just the beginning. Would you say that's why you're starting to have an issue with these milestones you're hitting is that your autopilot has become checking the box uh-huh. I did the Ironman check. I did the boxing check. Yep. I can prove I can fight. And all of a sudden, even though your autopilot is a very productive autopilot, it's an autopilot, it's still autopilot. That totally nails it. I think you're right on the head with that. Yep. That's Ugh. great. But I, I think that plays change. well to the art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I keep looking at the cello. <laughs> yes. And I'm like that to me, man, that's what a beautiful craft to learn an instrument and then not to put it down in a year once you've got the basics, but to keep going and chase that symphony or mm-hmm. chase that really difficult piece. And then all of a sudden, an original piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, you feel it. And all of a sudden it's a whole new thing. You know, that, I guess that's me playing the cello. I don't know what my hands are doing. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I could see that. And that, that really helped me understand, you know, if it was, if boxing was the thing instead of the match, it's like, no, I want to go until I can get a, a sanctioned match mm-hmm. or, or something, you know, or maybe get sponsored for being an Ironman runner. Right. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I understand it. Well, and you want, you, I want my kids to realize this. I want my friends to realize this. I want my siblings to realize this, that the more I do these other things, the more they all benefit each other. And so, and this is, this is stuff that I teach my guys that come to me about style stuff where it's like, 
yeah, you're in great shape or you're on your path to being in great shape. You're making good money. Your relationships are solid. You realize as you've worked on all three of those things that by working on this one, the other ones get better. And it's like, let's introduce this whole other element in of your physical appearance with your clothing and watch that raise all three of these other things as well. And same thing with you start getting not just that where you're in good shape, but you've actually developed like a skill set. You've learned how to swim or how to ride a bike or how to throw a ball or something to an extent that you couldn't before. And you watch as that dexterity translates into other things. You learn how to create art and beauty and you watch how that improves your relationship as a father. And none of these things that we do are domain dependent. They don't have to be. And I, I, I fully under believe that this is why Renaissance men existed. It wasn't this like jack of all trades, master of none type of thing. Like I'm too afraid to commit to something, but it was the idea of like, I can captain a ship and I can play the cello and I can perform surgery and I can sword fight in a battle effectively. And it's like, that was your average colonial ship captain. Why can we not live to those same kind of standards? And it's, we should be because as you do one, then it gets you better at everything else. You know, as you were, you're, you're like painting a picture in my head you know <laughs> these guys are doing these things that we think like oh no sane man well maybe that's why they stood out maybe that's why we remember them that's maybe true that's too. why we think of legacy in these things you know you're not going to remember the grandfather who came home and sat down and watched tv nope you're, there's just nothing to remember and it's not that he's a bad person but there was nothing memorable right there is nothing that really reverberated and sent a big blast of energy into the world you know and to your point i've been trying to write more you know, mm-hmm. not just type and it's do my hand cramps. Like, oh, it's I got weak. I can deadlift, <laughs> but I can't like grab a pen and do this for so an hour. irritating. <laughs> but I, I did realize something and it didn't dawn on me until you said that, you know, you start to notice these other things. And in the writing, I, I'm hyper aware of my writing. Mm-hmm. And a few nights ago, I was talking to Jackie and she, she's sitting across from me and she put her hair behind her ear or whatever and smiled. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, I never would have seen that moment before, but it's just the way her hair went back. Just the smile. It was like, yep. It was like a little moment in time. And I was like, that's why that's my wife. You know? And it's, it's so, I know it's corny to say, and it's so like, like slow motion movies. Yeah. But I just remember sitting there and I was like, wow. Like, it it was just like such a strange thing. There was nothing really happening. No, I I think because I'm so hyper aware of this little moment of writing that in that moment, my brain was still on that level. And I just saw that little moment. I was like, whoa. Whoa. Okay. That hits hard where it's, yeah. As you become more present in these other things, then it pulls you into being more present into stuff that's more meaningful as well. But it's without telling your brain to do that. No, not at all. Because it's, 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 it's doing it. It's, it's riding on its own inertia of doing that. I, I would love to talk to you a year from now of playing the cello or, or whatever the, the next focus that you have is and to see those little things that maybe you would never notice, but I'm like, Oh, you've totally been different. Now that you've been playing the cello, right? Slow down with how you speak, or maybe the, the tone of your voice is Man. a rhythm to it. Yeah. You know, little things that you might not even see. Right. And this is why we need to do these things. This is why exactly you totally sell yourself short because I know you and you have way more potential than just being the grandpa that sits down on the couch or the dad that just coaches his son's baseball and that's it. Like there's so much more potential there. And you need to live up to that. I need to live up to that. The guys who are listening that have that potential need to live up to that. I don't know if I can continue the podcast with anything. Like, I don't think I have anything to top that. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, that was an excellent closing point. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that was, that was very well said. And honestly, I, again, to a, applicable advice, that is the lesson. It took us an hour and 12 minutes. <laughs> That's the big lesson. Yep. The takeaway. So Tanner, for those who enjoyed the discussion, the dads out there, they, they want to check out the Heroes and Fathers group. What is that all about? 
So this is one of those things. It's a little bit different than the fraternity of excellence because one, it's only available for dads or grandpas. Like you have to have kids in order to be able to get in. And two, uh, it's small. I've got 12 guys that are in there right now. And part of that is by design. It is not a, uh, this is not my primary breadwinner. Um, it's not my primary kind of business offering. And so it's a smaller thing. Um, what we do is similar to uh, to Fraternity of Excellence where you've got kind of an online chat board and then you do group calls and stuff like that. But we focus on how to be better as fathers. And we tend to focus on five different arenas. You've got physical, social, intellectual, spiritual, and then financial. And those are kind of the, the main arenas that we focus on. And I think my favorite thing about this is once a month on one of our calls, we do what's called the hot seat and a guy volunteers to be part of it. And if he's really like, if he feels like his life is totally squared away, then he can come on and he can share something with us. Or like most guys, if he wants particular help with something, then he comes on and he just gets to own that call and ask us for help on what it is that he's struggling with. And we've got guys who've come on and they've talked about, um, you know, entrepreneurship or how to be able to make a move across the country or how to be able to deal with kids that are really like taking the terrible twos and turning them up to, to level 5,000 or these like really meaningful things. And you watch, as these guys finally have a venue to be able to just fully open up with, I'm really struggling with this. And it's with a group of men that they've spent enough time with that they can feel comfortable with. And you watch the actual help that comes. And it's just, it's so awesome to get to be a part of that. So if you guys are looking for something that is more on that intimate level, if you're looking for something that is specifically related to fatherhood, you may be a good fit. And I'd love to talk to you guys. So just shoot me a message. If you're looking for something a little bit bigger than that, then I'm going to plug the fraternity of excellence and go be part of that because that's awesome in and of itself for, for all those same reasons. But yeah, it's something that's just a in the same vein, but just a little bit different of a leaning to it. No, I dig it. And I, I brought it up because earlier we were talking about men not having that outlet. Mm-hmm. And I think fathers have very unique, you know, uh, issues. You know, mm-hmm. having a child is there's nothing else that can be compared to it. It's not like having a dog, regardless of what anybody says, or it's not like having a nephew or employees. No. It's a, your child, you know, stepfathers, fathers, you have a child, mm-hmm. you know, and I really think what you're doing with that program is, is fantastic. So all the dads check it out. Yeah, please do. Now for someone that wants to work with you for a style or just to pick your brain, what would be the best way for them to find you? So best ways to find and interact with me are through Twitter or Instagram. And both of those are at Tanner Guzzi. So T-A-N-N-E-R-G-U-Z-Y. And yeah, honestly, that can be stuff related to fatherhood. That can be stuff related to style. That can be stuff related to religion. And if you're uncomfortable talking about religion, then either get comfortable with it because I talk about it the same way I talk about (laughs) everything else, or I may not be the right guy for you, but that's uh, that's stuff that you're going to see on my feed. And uh, if you're interested in, in the religious stuff, then I do a weekly podcast called Spiritual Arson that very much has a, it's based in the doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But Zach will tell you this. I love how many guys that I have that are either Christians or really just not even members of a particular religion at all. But it's basically the relationship between religion, doctrines, and it kind of has morphed into how that how men can relate to that kind of stuff. And so we do a show once a week and it's a really cool opportunity to take a lot of these ideas that we've talked about today and dive even deeper into the the source of where they come from. You know, I will say a lot of people, they'll grab their phone or they'll, they'll jump in their laptop for their social media or for the content they consume and it makes them feel bad. 
you know, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that the way your mind eats things is the way your body eats things. Mm-hmm. If you're eating snacks, junk food, you're going to be lethargic. You're not going to be able to perform. If all you're doing is watching anger, you know, outrage, you know, pain, chaos, all these things, evil, it's going to get in there and it's going to really, really bring you down. Absolutely. And through the spiritual, uh, through the, oh my God, I can't even think of the name, spiritual arson podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I listen Brain to all the time. Does happen. <laughs> so the spiritual arson podcast, you know, when I listen to that, it's, it's uplifting, it's motivating. That's why I really enjoy it. And I, I'm Christian leaning. I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm figuring it out as I go, Yeah. but that I've, I've, I'm a few behind now, but I was all the way up, you know, going through them all. And it's just great content that leaves you thinking and it leaves you more charged up than pretty much anything that I'm listening to. I listen to a lot of self-improvement, a lot of self-help, you know, the, the Jocko's, the, um, I've been recently, Andy Frasilla, listen to him, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Mickler, mm-hmm. super self-help. Yes, Great let's go. Great stuff from all those guys, yeah. But this is different, and I really enjoy it. I appreciate you know what you guys put into it. And for somebody who's like, I listen to it working out while just going for car rides, it gets me thinking, and it, it makes me a better man. And because that lights me up, well, now I'm a better husband. Now I'm a better father. Now I'm a better friend. So for anybody listening, definitely check that out. I'll have links to all three of those things below. Man, my chest is just bursting from that endorsement. That, that, thank you. I would have said that even if you weren't my guest. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but really, thank, and that's why, because I, I believe you. I believe that you're, you're, you really mean what you're saying, and that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do. So thank you. Uh, you guys are crushing it. All right, Tanner, I want to thank you for your time. You know, I appreciate you coming on. Dude, I'm just glad we got to hang out again. <laughs> exactly. That's why before we kicked it off, for those who don't know, I literally said, like, I have no agenda. I just want to talk. <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys just happen to listen in on a conversation that the two of us had, and those are the best podcasts anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. For everybody that tuned in, don't just listen. Please apply the advice. You know, make the changes. And if you have any questions, hit either of us up. You know, my social media is below, as is Tanner's. But again, This has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Nothing changes until you take the advice and you implement it through action. So do that. Take care. And if you have questions, hit us up. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at ZachSmall underscore. 